Welcome to Restore, a podcast seeking to restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church. And now your host, Javier Diaz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Restore podcast, episode 18. I am Javier, your host. I hope that wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, as you're listening, it is our desire that this podcast will help you in your quest to help restore the vision, restore the mission, restore the church. Because we who call ourselves followers of Jesus are the church. As always, I thank you for taking the time to listen and for sharing this podcast. I always state, um, please feel free to let me know what you think. And if you have any ideas, um, topics, stories that we should share, uh, please let me know. You can contact me via Twitter. Uh, My handle is JaviD21, that's J-A-V-I-D-21, or via email at Javier, J-A-V-I-E-R, dot Diaz, D-I-A-Z, at floridaconference.com. On today's episode, my guest is Pastor Bernie Anderson. And friends, we're talking about overcoming pornography. This is a topic as relevant as ever. And perhaps you know someone or you are someone struggling with pornography. Regardless, I truly encourage you to listen to this conversation as we touch on some really deep and personal points. Please, please do share this episode with anyone you think would benefit, whether they are struggling with pornography or any other addiction. So I don't want to delay any further, but two quick points. Please do check out the show notes as they have several resources of information uh, that are mentioned during our conversation. And make sure that you listen until the very end hopefully without fast-forwarding it, as Bernie makes a very important announcement about the next step in his life. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Pastor Bernie Anderson. I want to welcome Pastor Bernie Anderson to the Restore podcast. Welcome, Bernie. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Javier. All right. (laughs) Well, we are um, here actually in this uh, beautiful morning here in Central Florida, and we're just hanging out here. And uh, most of the time... Beautiful fall morning. Yes, yes. Fall for for (laughs) Central Florida. Yes, yes. And most of the time, um, often I'm doing these interviews through video conference, but it's great to do this one in person since we both live in the area. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, Bernie, tell us a little bit about how you got started in ministry. Let's uh, begin there. So, well, I got started in ministry um, right out of Southwestern Adventist University, um, and I started as a youth pastor in Arlington, Texas, and a guy by the name of Pastor Mike Tucker was very instrumental. He and his wife, Gail, were very instrumental in um, allowing me to be in ministry, really, Mm, uh, there in the Texas conference when I first started um, about 23 years ago. Wow. And of course, you know, we love Mike. He was on the previous episode, as you know. Yeah. And we we go way back and uh, still to this day is a very, very real mentor for me. So um, yeah, so I was there, did about four years, actually, and then went to seminary. Nice. Uh, kind of that's kind of the track that you follow too, I, right? I right, think. correct. Yes. And uh, then went to seminary, and actually, kind of a weird thing came right back after seminary to the Arlington Church, mm. and continued to pastor right alongside Mike and Gail. And um, then I, I did the two church district thing for a few years, and then headed out to Salt Lake City, Utah. Got a call out there. Okay, pastored there for eight years. Uh, really loved the the West and the mountains and. It was a beautiful, um, beautiful well, that, time out there. That was a that was a big shift going from <laughs> yeah. the great state of Texas to Utah. What, what was that, that shift like? That was different for sure. Yeah, we and I had so many friends and so much uh, history there in Texas. Uh, it was a big, big shift, but um, we we thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, it was nice to get out west. Uh, mm. There's no humidity. Yeah. There's no humidity in Salt Lake City. Loved the elevation. Loved the mountains. Did a lot of outdoor stuff. So it was terrific. And then. Uh, after about eight years there, um, got a call from Florida and um, to come and be a young adult pastor. And I said, you know, well, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad thing. And mm-hmm. really the attraction was uh, kind of the educational opportunities for my kids sure. here with the academy and so forth. Uh, we didn't have one in Salt Lake City, of course. And so, uh, yeah, so it's been it's been good. been here five years and uh, 
been been a good a good time here in the Florida Conference. Got nothing but good things to say about this place. Awesome. Well, we're glad that you are here, and uh, glad uh, to see that your trajectory has led you to different parts and different aspects of you know ministry, and uh, brought you here to Forest Lake. And we're glad that you're here. Um, and so, with that said, we we want to get into the, the the theme of this episode which is on pornography, and I've been wanting to have you um, on the Restore podcast. Um, obviously, I believe that this um, is an issue that you know continues. Many believe it. You can go online, and we all know we can just Google pornography in the church, and tons of hits come out, and we can read all kinds of aspects about it. But but you your story, which um, in some parts of our circles, many know of it and have heard of it. And um, I actually invited you over several years ago. Yeah. That's, how, that's how we met yeah. uh, when I was pastoring locally in another conference. And you came over and yeah. did a great job. Um, and so uh, let's begin by asking, how did you first come in contact with pornography? Man, th- this is such a common story. But, you know, uh, I stumbled across it literally as a kid, as a nine-year-old kid. I was visiting uh, relatives home. I I was I was uh, the kind of kid that went kind of rummaging around the house. You know, you're just playing, you're just kind of doing your thing. Mm-hmm. I opened a closet door, found a box, started digging around in the box, and lo and behold, there was you know I pull out these pages of a discarded pornographic magazine, and mm. it was kind of ripped up, and then parts of it were still intact. So I started, you know, I was just kind of immediately. Uh, intrigued by what I saw, and mm. I was like, "Wow, okay." So I spent a little time there checking it out, and um, made a mental note. I remember just kind of thinking, eh, "I'm going to put this back in the box because hmm. I might want to come back and visit this again." Wow. Not knowing really, you know, what it was, not you know, understanding anything about sex and sexuality. Um, ha- first time probably really ever having seen a naked body, you know. Mm. Um, that way. So that was sort of my initial interaction. And then there would be more uh, exposures, uh, VHS tape, you know, the technology was pretty primitive back in these sure, those days. Yeah. And then uh, a magazine, I remember a Playboy magazine that I stumbled across as a kid. And all of these different exposures without a whole lot of guidance on it, because mm. I didn't, I didn't get a sex talk. Um, my parents didn't do that. Um, so you, I'm just sort of exploring and learning. And then there comes a point as a, you know, as a young kid, you grow into adolescence and those teenage years. And it's, it's not a matter now of you kind of being ashamed of it as much as it is you're really super curious and you discover how this kind of makes you feel good even. Yeah. And so you sort of get lured into this kind of pattern of looking at it, uh, kind of feeling bad and, you know, eventually I would I would stumble across the Adventist church and become a, a Seventh-day Adventist, become a Christian. And as a young Christian, I, you know, I'm still kind of secretly, this is, this is my thing. This mm-hmm. is my struggle. And I'm thinking, God, this isn't good. I know I'm praying about it. But, you know, those adolescent years where you, where your body and your mind and everything awakens to the reality of sexuality, uh, but you're getting this you're getting this um, skewed version of it through pornography, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that's all that that's that's that was a that's what I was going through as this as this you know as this teenager and so forth. But porn had really you know it kind of it kind of settled into my my reality and into my life and mm. um, was this just kind of this secret thing. Now on the outside, on the surface, you know, you, no one knows about this. Right. You're not telling anybody. And, you know, um, you know, I was involved, I was in Pathfinders, I was a leader, I, you know, I was all in on the church and, um, but, you know, secretly when no one was around, that's kind of where I was going. So that same pattern was my pattern through academy, high school years, you know, into college and being a young adult, then it, you know, being a pastor, seminary, the seminary years were extremely challenging, very difficult mm. because, by that time, I'm an adult, and yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm making the decision to to look and to go pursue pornography, and I'm, I'm, um, you know, kind of the double life thing, you know, right. uh, that that starts to emerge. And really, it was the seminary years where I believe it, the addiction actually took root, and then it only sort of 
uh, it only got darker as um, as I moved out of seminary and back into the field and pastoring. Mm-hmm. Ex- and, explain that if you don't mind me interjecting yeah. here. Um, and again, you know, this is I think important because we know at least statistically and um, that so many people struggle with this issue, yeah. whether they're pastors or whether they're not pastors. Um, and and more and more women are even struggling mm. with this with this issue. Yeah. Um, and obviously, in the time that you were struggling with it, um, in those dark age, in those dark times, as you mentioned, yeah. um, if I'm understanding correctly, and I know your story, it, it wasn't really what it is now on the internet. Yeah. I mean, this was this was really pre. You know, iPhone coming out in 2007 to some degree, right? Very interesting point because when I was um, my first years in ministry, there wasn't there there was no internet. So Mm -hmm. early 90s Mm. is when I entered ministry, and there was no internet. So if I when I wanted to act out with pornography, um, even as a young pastor, because like I said, it followed me into ministry. I literally had to risk a lot by going to some adult bookstore, mm. which is really creepy and, and weird and awkward. But I was being driven, you know, sort of by this this desire and I had right. to have it and so forth. Um, or I had to, you know, I had to go into the, the adult and, and unrated uh, versions uh, or the, the, the hard R and adult rated, uh, you know, unrated versions of DVD stores. And th- there's always that, that little section where you have the kind of B movies, you know, right. Yeah. Back in the day back for those day. that, yeah. that <laughs> don't remember true. that actually when there was a, a video, a store, video store. store, my, my bad. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm so. dating myself, but anyway, it, it was, yeah. But then I, I absolutely remember when it was, I think it was one of my, my young people in my youth group who mm. said, you know, the internet is really cool. <laughs> I say, okay. Mm. And, and you can get all your news there and you can check it out. So I remember going on the internet and, and learning about the internet. And then I remember somehow learning about, Hey, people are putting pornography on the internet. Mm. And it was literally out of curiosity about well, what, what might that be like? You know? Yeah. This is during dial up time. This is dial up. Yeah, yeah. So you had to have a lot of time. Right. You know? <laughs> so, so I remember going on and just out of curiosity and, and discovering, yes, pornography is big. And that, uh, you know, myself and many, many other guys who kind of had the same pattern and, and mm. very, very common. I think that was the tipping point for a lot of us into a, now this new, more potent version of pornography that mm. we could consume anonymously. It was free. It was always available. We can, like I said, in the, in the privacy of our own homes now, yeah. we could bring this this very powerful drug, you mm. know, and, and now consume it privately. So that, yeah, that, that was a major game changer um, for a lot of us. So ex- explain to those, um, to those that will be listening, um, back to your comment about the, those dark times during seminary and, mm-hmm. and post-seminary when you're at a local church back in Texas. Yep. Um, and uh, what did that feel like if i can say it that way what emotions um you know not that you have to go to every detail but emotionally what was that like and because i know most likely there's probably somebody listening out there yeah. who who perhaps is going through the same aspect mm. and um so what was that like for you in, in that yeah it, it was it, that's that's a great question actually um there was a sense of reprieve when i left seminary because it was mm. a transition and there's a saying that I picked up on here recently from a speaker that says that endings energize. Endings energize. Yeah. And that was an ending. I graduated, finished seminary, great sense of accomplishment. And for me personally, I was thinking, all right, this is a fresh new start. I'm going to go back to my the field now. I've had a great run here at seminary. I loved it. We did Net 98, which is a right. big deal, you know. But um, I was feeling good and accomplished. I said, I'm not going back into porn. I'm not going to get sucked back into that. Mm. And um, things went really well, probably for the first, you know, 8, 10, 12 months, roughly. And and the same old urges returned and the same old... um, So so for those 8 to 10 months or so, you... um, didn't go to a store. You didn't go no, online. You no. were you were clean as if, I was if we clean that way. Clean and and somewhat sober, I would say. Okay, and and to a certain extent, determined not to 
turn back to it. I was doing what we would call in addiction circles, white knuckling, um, staying busy, staying distracted. So I didn't let myself go and act out. And obviously at this time, nobody in your family, your wife, no one knew, no one knew. Not at this point, no one knew. And so I was perfectly happy, obviously, keeping it that way, too. But again, the day would come where um, high-speed internet would come. And now there's that that access that was, um, you know, so much more potent again. And slowly but surely, um, you know, whatever the triggers are for people, uh, mine was stress and feeling pressure. Mm. Mine was... uh, you know, whenever there was, uh, you know, every marriage goes through difficult times. And sure. if, you, if you're if you not connecting well with your spouse, um, if you're feeling rejected, if you're feeling, uh, for me, if I'm feeling rejected, feeling failed, like I failed, um, we're, we're having children at this time. So mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of life just happening. Mm-hmm. And in order to escape some of those pressures and so forth, pornography is an easy route to go. And so I found myself, especially when I was alone and... Um, you know, found myself alone and on the internet. Uh, it was an easy uh, trap to kind of slip into. Mm. So, um, if people go online, Bernie, and they and they Google you, obviously your story um, got a lot of exposure. Yeah, uh, you wrote a book. We'll talk about that in a minute here. Um, and so, so how did it all? If I can use this terminology, how did it all finally come to the open or crashing down on you? Yeah, that it got that exposure and just things started, uh, you know, shifting in that sense. Yeah, it, well, it seems, and I and I talked to a lot of guys about this stuff. It seems that our our patterns of acting out always seem to get discovered. There's only so long that we can hide our sure. our sin, and that was true for me. My wife hopped on the computer after I had been on it and I had not cleared the history or done mm-hmm. a good job of cleaning up after myself and the drop down menu, she saw these sites and clicked on one and she was just, you know, her, her she was uh, kind of shocked at what she saw mm. and, and shocked and heartbroken and disgusted. Mm. And um, she confronted me and I was caught and I wanted to lie, um, you know, and I, and I really couldn't, I had nowhere. I mean, I was just, busted and uh we both wept and cried and i uh, was sorry but not sorry enough i wasn't so sorry that i was ready to change hmm. um and so for the next 12 to 18 months was a pretty dark dark period mm-hmm. darker period because i continued to act out and and fail and she would continue to find and so hmm. she was heartbroken obviously and um, this just caused a lot of chaos um, to the to the point where my wife was ready to um, leave me, separate from me, mm-hmm. and um, to hopefully wake me up from the stupor that I was in. And uh, in her time away, um, she she went to uh, she went to camp meeting uh, in another conference and mm-hmm. spent some time with her parents. Um, that's sort of when it all sort of. Uh, came to a head for me. I was okay. on a binge. She yeah. was away. I was alone. So that's what addicts do when they're alone. I binged and came to the end of the kind of a binge and said, okay, God, I'm really sick of this. What can we do? And God sort of whispered to me, well, if you would just confess and talk about it and open your life up. Mm. And that was a fun dialogue with God because I was thinking, no, that's probably not the best thing to do here God, mm. <laughs> as a pastor, you know, and, and, um, you know, I was terribly afraid because I didn't want, I didn't want people to think differently of me. I yeah. had a decent reputation, and I didn't want to ruin that. And I don't want people to think I'm some weird porn freak. You know, yeah. <laughs> no one wants that. And uh, so I'm just God. We can just take care of this on the side, right? Hmm. And um, but uh, in that in those moments, I, I was I was just desperate to be free, and I hmm. and I was broken, and I was a mess, and. I said, okay, God, you have it your way. I'm going to tell somebody. And um, I called Mike Tucker. That's, mm. that's, that was my pastor and mentor and friend. And he came to my house, and I confessed it to him. I'd never spoken verbally about it, ever. I was like, mm. there's, you know, I'd never said a word. And he was the very first person I ever just confessed this deep, dark sin to. And I said, this is the thing that has hounded my soul for mm. For years, so, yeah. so like like any addiction, it seems you know AA, uh, most notably um, drugs. It's really to the point of where you finally came to the conclusion of admitting 
yeah. that I need help. I need help. And I can't do it by myself. I that that by was myself. the the journey that began the overcoming. Absolutely. That was the that was the first step towards legitimate change and recovery. Not just white knuckle change, but real change. Once you disclose and expose <clears throat> your area of, of brokenness and sinfulness <clears throat> and woundedness, then you can begin to walk in the right direction. I like that. Dis- disclose and expose. And it's really yeah. um Disclosing and exposing ourselves and whatever our addictions may be to, yes. to uh, someone. So um, knowing what I know of, you know, Mike and those that listened to the previous episode. Um, so how did that, how did Mike um, hear that? And I know Mike is a, such a graceful heart. Yeah. Um, so that's an excellent person to have there. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, um, how were your emotions now? I mean, you must have been sweaty palms or just like <laughs> I'm about to disclose to my boss at that time. That Actually, it wasn't my boss at okay. the time. He was, was just a colleague, a friend. He was a colleague. Okay. I was pastoring uh, the district at okay. the time. Okay, thank yeah. you for but that. But we were still very sure. close. And, yeah. So, But nonetheless, mm. you're going to disclose something that yeah. you know is going to change the trajectory so, yeah. of your ministry. Someone I respect, someone yeah. who I don't want to have bad feelings about sure. me and think differently of me. So it was it was... It was it was awkward and it was it was difficult. I, I wasn't um, I wasn't terribly nervous mm-hmm. as much as I was hoping that I would have the courage to to say everything I need to say. I didn't mm-hmm. want to I didn't want to hide anymore. I didn't want to you know be pretentious in any way. I wanted yeah. to just this is it. This is this is where my, I struggle. I'm hooked on porn. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, there's no. I'm, I'm all out here. You know, and so yeah. that's that's what I was able to do, and he was kind and gracious and approachable enough hmm. that that um, that it was he made it really easy for me in a sense, and I never anticipated that he would throw me under any bus or or, sure. or, or judge me or dis- you know it was I knew he would respond um, in in a way because I I'd listened to the man for years talk about God's grace yeah, and, absolutely and I know some of his imperfections too so. yeah sure <laughs> We're, you know but but that was yeah and it was still a, a very difficult and challenging time but God moved in those moments I felt and there was a there was a significant um, change that happened in those moments okay um, so yeah. after that conversation. Um, where did that journey take you? What, so, what were the next steps? Yeah, to so the next steps were conversations with my wife, mm-hmm. and she uh, heard in my voice. She literally heard in my tone, in my attitude, and in just the, my voice, somewhat something had happened. Mm. And I kind of told her, "Yeah, I talked to Pastor Mike," and and she's like, "Okay." And she came home. Yeah. Now she knew you were. Now for she real. knew something was was up. And so that began, yeah, that was the big journey. And I became this person who was just sort of, you know, I was hungry to know what was going on with me. I was hungry to know why is this such a big thing with me. And and so I began to read every book um, that I could get my hands mm-hmm. on. Um, I began to, to uh, I literally would, would meet with, with buddies, you know, mm-hmm. like guy friends, some pastors, some not. And we'd... I don't think I intentionally wanted to get on the topic of pornography, you know, mm-hmm. but but we would end up talking just about, you know, that struggle. And inevitably they would say, yeah, you know, I kind of, I get it, man. I've got the same problem. And and I don't, you always believe, especially, you know, it's one of those myths that most people who struggle with this believe is that you're the only one. Yeah. And I certainly thought I was the only pastor, surely. Mm-hmm. And again, as you, as I began to understand more about it and what was going on and, and, and addiction and so forth. I'm like, I'm not the only guy. Mm-hmm. In fact, there are a lot of people, just church members, pastors, everybody. This thing is, this thing is epidemic, you yeah. know. And again, this is fairly early in the in the the epidemic. And um, you know, so I I, I pursued a, um, a, a a weekend event called Every Man's Battle. Mm-hmm. That was a major, major from the book, right? Uh, it's it's. It's the title the same, but yeah. there's more content okay. and more significant content at the at the seminar okay. um, than just the book. The book is great too, and I, I read that book. Yeah, uh, read a lot of lot of great books along the way. Um, let but, me let me yeah. ask you just to, here. Um, 
you, you just mentioned something and uh, you mentioned you wanted to find out what was wrong with me if, if, if I yeah. got you close to that. So <laughs> what what did you find out that was wrong with you if, if you couldn't mind this? Yeah, that? that's a great question. I, um, I If you dig a little deeper and I always tell people this, you don't necessarily have a sex problem as much as you have a soul problem. Mm. There's something deeper that's not visible on the surface that's going on with us. And so I had, the, especially at the Everyman's Battle Conference, they challenged us to go a little bit deeper about mm. what are the hidden sort of drivers, where are the areas of woundedness and brokenness that that you tend to medicate with pornography? Because pornography mm. is just great anesthetic. It's great uh, escape mm. from what really is driving you to act out. And so I found out that I really I struggled to, with um, – pleasing people. Hmm. And that's a common thing with us preachers, right? Yeah. yeah. And and I struggled with rejection. Hmm. I I hated to feel like someone didn't like me and didn't want me to be around them. And hmm. I I struggled with a deep sense of abandonment and woundedness from my parents' divorce. Hmm. Um uh I I never really dealt with that. I never really admitted that, hey, that hurt. Because as a kid, when they did get divorced and my father really left, he was kind of absent and left the picture. Mm. Um, as a kid, you just kind of cope with it in your own way. Right. And so you suck it up and you, I'm an only child. I spent a lot of time by myself and mm. mom was working quite a bit. So I remember coming to, to, ter- to determine that, you know, my earthly father is not here in my life. He's kind of abandoned me. He's kind of rejected me. That's how I interpret it, you know. Mm. So I'm going to adopt God as my father. So my heavenly father is going to be my dad. That's the way I'm going to cope with this. That's the Mm. way I'm going to do life. Now, that sounds really spiritual and really great. And to a certain extent, that's appropriate and right. But still, if you don't deal with your earthly father issues, right, daddy issues, then, then it will drive you to do life in such a way that is unhealthy. And so... I was I was very much driven to perform well to do well so I wouldn't be rejected. Mm-hmm. I was very much driven um, to never disappoint people because my father disappointed me and he disappointed my mom. Mm. So I, I will never disappoint people. I will never let anyone down. Now imagine if you're a pastor and you you go into ministry with that mindset. Mm, trouble, dude. You're <laughs> trouble. Yeah. yeah, major trouble if you're right. driven by these. These, um, you know, to never to disappoint people, never to let anybody down, never always be there for people, always, you know, whatever comes up, you're there. And that's the way I probably did the first decade of my ministry is impossible expectations, impossible expectations on yourself. And so um, that's what I kind of discovered. I was like, yeah, that's me. Powerful. I'm I'm pretty much, uh, yeah, messed up. And so (laughs) I need, I need desperately to, to lean into the grace of God and to uh, find my sense of um, uh, of drivenness and sense of holy ambition yeah. uh, should come out of a a deep understanding of who Jesus is and the gospel, and um, that's what I've spent the last ten years trying mm. to figure out. <laughs> sure, so, yeah, and it, it, it's an ongoing journey, so it's not it's like not, once yeah, you haven't once you, even arrived, yeah. right? Once you, it seems what what I'm hearing you say is that once you've you you truly can I say figured that out or mm-hmm. admitted that if I can say admitted, it that way? Yeah. Um, it, it began you in a new trajectory to dealing with those exactly. issues um, on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Right? Is it moved from just a change in life? Yeah. That that's sort of these modifications and you change life and you do life better. To now you've moved towards real what I believe transformation, which is what I believe every. Christian is called to and this. This isn't just for dudes who are hooked on porn or women that are hooked on, on a, you know, and anything really. It's about I think how Christ followers should do life. Mm. There's a point where we we move from simply being these religious people that do the right things and and by our by our uh, faith community's standards of behavior, we are accepted and we do everything right to where we are legitimately becoming transformed into, uh, you know, Paul talks about, you know, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern mm-hmm. of this world, but right. be transformed by the right. renewing of your mind. Yeah. So I think that's that's ultimately our trajectory is that we move to this level of transformation where we, we are settled into the reality and the beauty of, 
of, of the gospel. And we no longer have to do life in order to be accepted or to be acceptable to the people around us, although that is important and we want respect and a good reputation and all right. that. But we are but we are highly motivated by the notion that we are accepted by mm. God, by Jesus. Mm. And um, that ultimately is enough for us and allows us to do ministry in a much healthier way. Yeah, It allows us to rest on Sabbath in a much different way. Mm. You powerful, know? powerful. So, so um, your story becomes what it became You know, several years ago. Uh, very well known. Um, you were on different, uh, you know, networks. Uh, Adventist pastor addicted yeah. to pornography. All of <laughs> yeah. this. And Newsweek so, magazine news- was uh, shocked to a lot of people, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all of this is coming out. Yeah. Um, but along with what you just said, especially for those that are listening that are struggling with this, what are some of the other steps that you took. So you spoke to Mike, you yeah. came to these personal, deep-rooted convictions of where you were at, you began on this transformational journey. Uh, what are some of the steps that perhaps people would say, okay, what, what else did, did yeah. he do? Did he, did he get counseling? Uh, did he and his wife get together and get counseling together? Yep. Uh, did he put uh, now something online? You know, yeah. uh, all these different things. What are, what are perhaps some of the top you know, three, four, five things that you Absolutely. Uh, are doing or you know, began to do differently yeah. and continue to do to, to stay clean? Can I say it that way? Absolutely, yeah, yeah stay so. clean. So it's a multiple you know, approach kind of a strategy. And that mm-hmm. one is absolutely counseling. So if you can find a good counselor and mm-hmm. a, um, you know, someone who you trust who's a good Christian counselor, therapist, um, definitely pursue that. And it should okay. be both a couple's approach and an individual approach because your spouse, and typically it's the female, you know, right? then she needs, she needs a different kind of recovery that has to happen for her. Um, so yeah, definitely therapy. And we did that. My wife and I both did that. Mm. Um, then there's, um, there's just personal boundaries that you have to put around. Now, my drug of choice was online, online internet pornography. Mm-hmm. So I had to put some personal boundaries around that. And, and what we're finding nowadays is that since everyone can access the web on their phones, yeah. you know, it's, we call it porn in the pocket. Mm. That's, that's where people struggle. So you got to figure out how to put some boundaries and protections around you. Now, it's not a fail, uh, you know, a fail safe, but it is something that right. will be a barrier to the material. So at some level, yeah, you have to stay away from your drug and, and put a boundary there. And so I did that. And mm-hmm. for it, it was very intense at the beginning and to the extent that I would never be online um, in a private place. I was mm-hmm. always online in public. My wife was around, kids were around. If I couldn't be around someone, mm-hmm. I just wouldn't be online. Okay. So I wow. just, yeah. So especially when you're first entering recovery, those boundaries got to be really, really, really strong. Mm. Um, lots of group work. If you can join a group, I highly, highly recommend that. Um, get get with the group for accountability, for community, for hearing uh, stories, mm. for finding encouragement. To this day, that is th- something that I still do. Um, I'm in a group. In fact, my group met last night. It's every okay. Tuesday night, 7 p.m. I lead the group now. Um, we got about 10 other pastors that are part of the group. It's a mm. great group. And um, so I still do that. I think that's absolutely critical. To ult- ultimately, the remedy to this problem, in a sense, and I don't want to boil it down too simple, but sure. in a sense, it is deeper intimacy with God, the vertical relationship, and deeper intimacy with others, the horizontal relationship. When we find legitimate intimacy, mm the lure of false intimacy through pornography dramatically diminishes mm. dramatically. So, so that's what I began to learn. So the therapy was important. The, uh, uh, the boundaries around uh, accessing the web or however you access mm-hmm. pornography. Um, and then the, the group work was absolutely important. Uh, reading, you know, educating yourself sort of on the issue itself. Lots of great books. The thing with a big problem like this is that there's been lots of big resources created too. So there's lots of stuff out there. Um, And then I would say um, spiritually, devotionally, Hmm. uh, just pursue God. Uh, Don't let the fact that you continue to even slip up 
or or have those setbacks and those relapses keep you from pursuing God. Mm. Um, that that has been by far the most significant um, uh, recovery practice that has made the difference, yeah. and that is just time time with Jesus. Mm. So. Um, during that journey into recovery, that ongoing journey in recovery, um, were there moments where you slipped? Um, there were moments where I not not really slipped. I, I think what I had for me was there were moments where I um, I didn't look at porn and it wouldn't consume porn. But I would certainly dance around it, mm-hmm. and I would let thoughts mm. um, run wild. And um, anytime you you have, anytime you struggle with pornography, you've also struggled with masturbation. And mm. I would say that that's really that that would be the challenge um, that that would emerge during those times. And so I would say, yeah, probably acted out a few times during mm-hmm. those during those early years especially of, of trying to break free because even as I talk to a lot of guys today, they may actually walk away from the pornography. Mm-hmm. But the porn that's still lodged in our brains and mm-hmm. the fact that we can act out through masturbation still becomes the, the problem. Mm-hmm. And so for me that was um it wasn't long binges with porn, but it was certainly the 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 temptation to escape ever so in, and in some ways people could justify that it's like hey I've been away from my spouse for a long time mm. or you know we make we rationalize masturbation but I've I have um, I went through a period like this um, probably about six or seven years ago mm. um, where I was feeling this strong urge to go back to the porn I was like oh Lord come on and um, so I had to go back and kind of reevaluate what's going, where am I? What, what on earth is going on? And I, I discovered that, and I, or I believe God just sort of revealed to me that is that you have to, you have to have a sense of a deep sense of purpose. Hmm. Um, and I think sometimes in pastoral ministry, especially for the Seventh Day Adventist pastor, and maybe it's for other pastors too, but I know the Seventh Day Adventist pastoral world, right? Mm-hmm. I think we can get so comfortable in what we do. And how we do it, and there's a lot of job security in Adventist pastoral ministry to a certain extent, mm. you know. Um, so we we got it pretty decent. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's perfect. Don't get me wrong, but if you're in and you've been in a while, you you're going to be fine unless you like go out and kill somebody or something. Then you, you might get you might lose your job. But, but okay, All right. <laughs> you're not going to do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. So my point is, you can get you can get pretty settled in in and lose a sense of maybe purpose. And I, that may be, I think that's where I was. I've been doing ministry a long time. I can do it. Church is going fine. People are fairly pleased with me and those who aren't, well, whatever. And I lost kind of that sense of, well, God put me on this earth Mm. to reach people with the gospel. And when you don't have that, you don't have a sense of urgency about Mm. life. You don't have that sense of passion and purpose you will get lured back into old patterns real quick. Mm. Um, so purpose is absolutely critical. Rick Warren knew what he was talking about when he did that book, Purpose Driven Life, mm. because we are driven by purpose. And if we if we lose a sense of purpose or a sense of urgency about that purpose, I think we can easily get distracted with all kinds of foolishness. Mm. Not and, just porn. And porn's an easy one to get right. out of. And, yeah. and Matt, what you're saying here is so powerful. Um, and, and that goes regardless of gender yeah of, it's not exactly. a man thing or a woman thing it's that everybody yep. um you know has a purpose in life yes and and that's that's a biblical essence yep. and when we find that purpose and pursue that purpose um it keeps us on on you know target absolutely and, and i think that's the deeper issue that like you said we we know our community of faith particularly seventh adventist pastors yep. i know that people listen to this podcast that are not yep. uh, you know from our community of faith and we're so glad that they're listening um but everybody can relate with that that mm-hmm. when we what i'm hearing you say when we lose that purpose we we tend to um, react in ways um, that are obviously outside of our purpose that can lead yep. us into different, 
you know, ventures that yeah. are, are not really conducive. I think yeah. you go into protective mode. I yeah. think you just kind of go, And it may hey, not be pornography. It could be no, whatever else that whatever. person does. I'm yeah. just going to kind of, I'm going to hang out right here. Life is good. This is comfortable. How can I, how can mm. I just protect this? And, and yeah. then you, then you, then you don't risk anymore. Mm. Then you don't challenge yourself anymore. Wow. Then you don't, you know, and I, and I think that's really where I was. And I, thankfully I kind of woke up to that reality. I said, Oh, mm. You know, all right, dude. Let's let's get with it here. I, wow, that may Perfect. actually be where I started running. I know you're an avid runner too. Yeah. I think that's maybe where I picked up running and just wanting to challenge myself mm. and setting goals and yeah. And we have to do that, you know. Um, I agree. So, yeah. um, you know, Bernie, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story. We're not done. We're gonna a little bit shift from your personal story to yeah. to the broader essence of how the church is. Um, dealing with this. And and when I say the church, I'm not saying that neither you or I are saying that we are some kind of like uh, the silver bullet to to what these answers are, but just to have a discussion and hopefully people can uh, listen to this and it could be a a further catalyst Mm -hmm. um, for that, you know, discussion wherever they may be. But, you know, how, how, how do you feel? Let me start with this one. How do you feel the church as a whole responded to you and your addiction at the time that it happened uh, specifically, right? Because yeah. it's because it was a, it's we've changed so much over the last yeah. 10, 15 years, yeah. as we all know. Technology has just moved, you know, forward. So let me let me yeah. start there. How how do you feel? And it's not we're not trying to be negative or anything towards no, anybody. No, no. It's just it's facts. This is how yeah. it happened, or at least your experience. Yeah, so, in fact, it's a very positive story uh, with regard to the church. I yeah. I cannot say enough how grateful I am that I was shown so much grace. Mm. Um, I, like I said, I pastored two churches at the time that um, this was all going on, that I am, I've had this sort of breakthrough and I'm mm-hmm. going to pursue recovery. I'm a full-time pastor stepping up in front of my churches every Sabbath. Mm. And before the story went very public, I felt it was my responsibility um, because the Newsweek magazine article was about to come out and I had interviews scheduled with, you know, network TV and all this sort of thing. So I went to all my elders and I sat down with them. I said, Hey, this is what's been going on. Mm. And, um, I, I needed you to know this. And I just, you know, this is what's going on. And to an L to a person, they each kind of looked at me and said, well, we never thought you were perfect anyway. Wow. Beautiful. <laughs> so, beautiful. Yeah, it was powerful. And yeah. so I continued to, to pastor and do my thing with, um, with, with TV cameras showing up in our church mm. with media, you know, calling. Um, I remember I did a Fox, uh, Fox news, uh, interview and they, they literally sent a car and picked me up from the church mm. uh, on a Wednesday night, I think it was. So we were at Pathfinders and everybody's around, and I showed up, and my wife showed up, and we were, we took off and did this interview. But um, the church has demonstrated a lot of grace towards me. Now, I will add this caveat. Mm. It, it was easier for the church to show me grace in that I didn't, I didn't get caught in a compromising position. No, yeah. My church secretary didn't find porn on my computer and report me to the conference. Mm. Uh, so I, I came, to, I went to them, literally. I yeah. went to my conference president and said, hey, this is what I struggle with. It's an important caveat. Yeah. And so, so, but even then, I would say our church has made progress in how we deal with pastors. Not There are horror stories out there, and I am profoundly sorry mm. for the pastors and teachers and church workers who have lost their jobs over this. Mm-hmm. And I don't know every individual story, but I've been told many, many stories and people have reached out to me personally. Mm. So no, we haven't been perfect in our dealings with sinful people, mm. but, but we, I think are making progress. I know that this conference, the Florida conference has the right attitude and has the right approach. Mm. And we believe in restoring and healing and building pastors up. We are not about, um, uh, just penalizing and getting rid of people who we discover to have issues, right. whether it be pornography or alcohol or drugs or pills or you name it, you know. So, so we're making progress. There are resources that are being developed. I'm going to be part of a brand new project that's going to be. We're going to start working on. In fact, I have a meeting later on today about it. Um, and so, I, I think we're doing better. I think conferences and and. Uh, executive committees and, and ministerial departments are, mm. around North America in our denomination 
are are doing better. It's not perfect, and um, part of their response depends on how the worker or the pastor, how humble they are, where yeah. their heart is, and are they ready for legitimate change too. Right. So, well, that's you know we praise the Lord to hear that um, because. More than ever, some may argue, you know, we're, we're currently living, depending who you ask, and within the most sexualized era uh, ever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just reading, and I pointed this out to you uh, before we started recording. Um, I read an article on the, uh, you know, the Gospel Coalition site um, written by Justin Holcomb just this week. And um, in that article, he, he, he says this, and I'm going to read it to you. He says, it's important to note that porn isn't just a men's issue, mm-hmm. as 28% of people admitting to Internet sexual addiction are women. And then he goes on to you know, state, approximately 9 out of 10 children between the ages of 8 and 16 have viewed porn on the Internet. That, that's a, uh, an incredible statistic. Um, um, nine out of 10 children between the ages of eight and 16 have viewed porn on the internet. He goes on to say the average age of first internet exposure to porn is 11, which is not too far from your age uh, at the age of nine, you mentioned. And in most cases is unintentional, kind of like yours as well. So he says the largest consumer of internet pornography is 12 to 17 year old boys, he says in the article. And I'll I'll post the article link um, with are you know recording as well in the show notes uh, so praise the lord that the church responded positive you know in a positive sense to you now how do you feel today the church is doing in dealing with pornography and overall sexual purity as a whole in our church you know mm-hmm. how are we doing and if we're doing well great how can we do in either case how can we do better like what are yeah. what are some of your suggestions being that Obviously, you have a story, a personal story. You've helped so many. You're currently helping people. So what are your thoughts out there to those who may be listening? Not just pastors, but just churches as a whole and, you know, communities. I'm actually very encouraged. Um, I'm hearing about the conversation being started in a lot of different places. I get lots of invitations to come and start and break the ice in a Mm -hmm. lot of different places. And what, what I think the church is realizing that, yes, the reality of what is happening in the world is impacting our people because our people live in the world. Yeah. And as much as we don't want them to be of the world, a part <laughs> of the world, they have to deal with some of the, the junk that's out there. And so, mm-hmm. um, so the attitude is good, I think. It's changing. Mm-hmm. And those topics that were taboo aren't necessarily as taboo anymore. Yeah. What we have to realize is that pornography is merely a sub Point. It's a bullet point underneath the larger subject matter of sexuality. Mm, yeah. And sexuality is the Bible. God created it. Is in the Bible. God created it. It's 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 His deal. And so we have to sort of reclaim mm. what's been hijacked from the church mm-hmm. and take the lead now on discipling. I think that's a critical word. Mm. Discipling our young adults, as young as nine, ten, eleven years old about what legitimate, appropriate, beautiful sexuality is. And it's not just one talk on a Sabbath school on a Sabbath morning. Yeah. It's it's conversations, multiple conversations with parents, with kids, with young adults, with with newly married, pre-married, sexuality, godly, beautiful, sacred, holy sexuality. And it's um and it's just ongoing. And and sermons should be preached from pulpits mm. appropriately so. Yes, um, but 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 using language that re- recaptures and, and restores the beauty of sexuality that the culture has indeed hijacked. Right. Um, that the culture is made about primarily you know self and the worship of a of an orgasmic experience essentially yeah. a hyper simulation. That's what the you know and we reject that. We we know that that's not what it's all about. Um, and so we got to reclaim it. We got to do some work. We got we got to just sort of take the bull by the horns mm. and be leaders in the conversation, saying, "No, sex is beautiful. Sex is great." You know, I love it when I get up in front of church and I'll say something along the lines of, "You know, sex is great. It's a beautiful thing. It's of God." And there's total silence. You know, I expect <laughs> to hear amens. You know, coming from that because <laughs> sure. we do have to. Because um, all our kids are learning, at least historically, as you and I were coming along. Yeah, all we heard was, "No, don't do it." Don't do it until you're married. But you know what? Our bodies were saying, no, do it. Yeah, yeah. My body right now is saying do it. And my body, my my eyes are interested in the opposite sex. Yeah. Let's admit that. 
let's go ahead and uh, and be honest about the reality of a God who created us with sexuality and the desire and so forth. But let's help our young adults. Let's even help our adults. Right. Make sure that they they steward in the same way that they steward their their money, steward their bodies in such a way that brings honor and glory to God, and that they're not just driven by out of control desires. And that's that's you know, Bernie, what you're saying there. It's um, for some perhaps that are listening, saying, you know, I know that I've heard that before, yeah. things of that <laughs> nature. But it's simple, but it's not simplistic because no. everything in our society is pointing towards the opposite way. Yeah. Right. Every movie, every television program, yeah. um, uh, so many apps, you know, Tender and whatever else, yeah. um, you know, we're, we're in that. Uh, what is it? Swipe left, right, whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. But um, it, we're in that society and and. And, you know, we smile, we laugh, and, and, and the young adults know it. But ultimately, you, you say some powerful words there when it comes to when, two things that I'm hearing you say. One is begin the conversations early yes. and often, yes. you know, within that one. And the second, which is obviously tied to the first, is have solid discipleship um, experiences with people, which yep. which is something that the stroke, you know, we're going to have a at some point uh, in a, a whole episode about discipleship, mm, you know, mm. specifically because that I think is missing. Yep. People to have those open conversations and to disciple one another. Um, I mean, discipleship happens best in obviously smaller contexts, yep. right? Yep. Uh, not not sitting in a large church or whatever church, exactly. but but happening one on one or you know in, or you know small in a small group yeah. and talking about it absolutely talking about what the bible as believers in jesus um and this is something that we essentially can agree um across the board meaning mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're an adventist a baptist or presbyterian for the most part we all agree <laughs> on the essence of sexual purity yeah um, and it's something that we could all help each other with yeah. when it comes to, you know, doing that. And it seems that, I mean, I grew up in, our, in in that same area you did, and I don't believe I really had that. You know, I did have parents who gave me a talk. I, I did get the talk to yeah. some degree. Huh. Uh, but, you know, we we really grew up in our church not really talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. And even in today's society, we um, I think I visit a lot of churches, and mm-hmm. I'm not sure that many of them are being intentional. Because yeah. if kids are starting so young, mm-hmm. you know, we need to respond uh, to that and start at a young age having yeah. that conversation. And and um, so w- one last question about that. What does it look like? Uh, you mm-hmm. have kids. Mm-hmm. So your kids now can go online. They see oh. or saw what daddy has, you know, been yeah. through. They know everything. They're all older now. Yeah. So how do you have, for the parents out there, a conversation, not with the young adults, but uh, because that's that's easier, that's if I can easier, say it. Yeah. But how do you do that with that 9, 10, 11-year-old? Yeah, there's some great resources out there. And for the life of me, I cannot remember the name of this one book that I – oh, yeah, it's called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures. Okay. Um, but that might be a conversation starter. Um, there's actually a, an Adventist-produced or published baptismal guide hmm. that literally uses the word pornography in it. Really? It actually has an, a story – that is that starts one of the studies and it has pornography and it actually was helpful to me when I was walking my daughter my youngest daughter through her baptismal classes start the conversation about sex and pornography mm. and it was it was powerful and even in that moment I didn't really want to do it because mm. I didn't I didn't preview the le- lesson I just said oh this is the next one in the lesson I popped open the book and I was like oh, okay boy. <laughs> here we go <laughs> you know so so I think you do have to if you just can't you know if you can't just come out and say it like you can to a a teenager with the younger kids, you have to kind of come at it a little bit different way and start the conversation differently. But they will, because they are younger and they're more trusting, they will go there with you and follow your Mm. lead. Mm. And so the least dramatic that you can make it and as calm as you can and as respectful and appropriate as you can go there and Mm. talk about kids and their bodies and, and uh, how God created them, and boys and girls, and differences, and again, age appropriately, desire, and so forth. And and if and like I said, there are great resources and books out there that can kind of help you initiate the conversation because it, it is extremely yeah. awkward. It is weird. Sure, question. But but I think again, I'm hearing you very clearly say 
from your own experience, um, having been there in every aspect of the way, is ultimately we need to be more intentional. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Be more Here's the thing. The culture is discipling your child already. Yeah, they're very intentional. They're <laughs> teaching. They're very intentional. The media, everything they're doing is intentional. They are they are teaching your child. So you got to win that back or you got to start before the culture does. Education is power. Mm. Educate kids. Talk to kids. Set them up for success. Don't just assume that because they... They are baptized in the Seventh Day Adventist Church. They don't eat pork, don't wear jewelry, and all the and keep Sabbath. That somehow the culture isn't some way mm. undermining all of that good teaching that they've received and attempting to to turn and lure them into another direction. We have to be intentional. We got to be smart. Remember how you were when you were young. Right. You you were tempted, and you received different messages, and you actually made mistakes too. Yeah. These kids are bombarded. I can't even imagine being yeah. a single young adult in today's world. I, I can't. I just don't even want to fathom it because I think I would be a mess. So. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Bernie, I, I, I think this is a good place to uh, kind of close this aspect of our topic. And uh, we're closing it here, but we hopefully uh, pray that it, this will be a continued conversation mm-hmm. to those that will listen. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking up your time and sharing your story. Uh, Bernie, tell us a little bit how people, if they'd like to, can get a hold of you. Sure. Uh, so my website is BernieAnderson.org, and the Anderson is with an S-O-N. So BernieAnderson.org. Um, you can find my book on Amazon. It's called Breaking the Silence. Yes. Uh, so Amazon carries it. Uh, Adventist Book Centers, I think, yeah, they still carry it. Okay. Um, but yeah, BernieAnderson.org. You can reach out there. Uh, we can, Facebook, Twitter. Oh, yeah. Facebook. I'm on there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Bernie Anderson um, Great. in Florida. And yeah. And uh, tell us a little bit about, and I'm going to add it to the show notes as well, Triple uh, X Church. You've, you've done some work yeah. with them. And so maybe for people, for one you know, resource before. Great organization uh, with a lot of great resources. Go to triplexchurch.com. That's xxxchurch.com. Yeah. I know. Ma- make sure they put the yeah. church part. <laughs> church, <laughs> yeah. Um, but a lot of resources there, a lot of online um, resources. There's a new um, a video curriculum. Uh, that you can sign up for, mm. and it takes you through a series of teachings on the challenges of pornography and how you can overcome uh, porn. It's called X3 Pure. Okay. Uh, we also have online groups called X3 Groups um, or smallgroupsonline.com. You can mm. go there too. And I actually lead one of those groups as well, uh, specifically for pastors. Mm. Um, so lots of great research, lots of articles, lots of blogs. Uh, there's X3 Watch, which is an accountability software that Triple uh, X Church has available that you can download, put it on your, your computer, put it on your mobile devices, and it, it helps to hold you accountable uh, while you're online. So, awesome. Yeah. Great. Great. Thank stuff. you so much. You know, well, we, we, I often like to finish with, uh, with a fun you know, question or, or so. <laughs> uh, uh, but um, so tell me, Bernie, what here in, in Florida is is your favorite place to eat? So, so, so you know, we are known here in Florida, of, 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 you know, for uh, you know Disney and the parks and Universal and all that, and our beaches, of course. And we got millions of people that come to Florida and visit us. Yeah. And, and so, we have a plethora of different ethnic places to eat of all different, you know, cultures and yeah. what have you. So, what is your favorite place to eat? Man, I have a local favorite. All right. Um, and it's uh, it's called Ebers oh. Cuban Cafe. <laughs> Somehow I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I did, yeah, you knew what I was going to say. So. I'm just trying to win the favor of the host. There you uh, go. There you go. Nah, Cuban food. food. In fact, I ate there. Uh, I ate there this week already. I ate All there right. Monday. So, All right. Yeah. Great, great. Well, <laughs> if you're in town, just uh, you know, Google or Yelp or whatever you use, Ebers Cafe, H E B E R. There's a free uh, promo for Ebers Cafe. <laughs> and um, and so you guys can come and check that out. Yeah. Um, so, Bernie, I want to thank you so much for, again, being on there. One last thing before I forget. I, I think we're going we're gonna to release it right here. You agreed. So uh, uh, give us the news that uh, those uh, locally and uh, perhaps not so local yeah. uh, will we'll want to know by the time this is released. Man, so I am going to uh, enter a new season um, outside of pastoral ministry. Mm. I have been 
at local church pastoral ministry for, like I said, 23 years. Yeah. And uh, I have recently received an offer and accepted an offer to go and serve and work with World Vision, which Fantastic. is the, I believe, the largest Christian humanitarian organization in the world. Yeah. And so I will be... Um, uh, officially uh, start with them at the end, right after Thanksgiving, uh, at the end wow. of November. And I'm really, really excited about the opportunity. It's been, uh, I've had a relationship with them over the years as a pastor, as a youth pastor, as a senior pastor and doing ministry. And in just the last couple of years, God has opened doors and created relationships that have, that have uh, facilitated this, this opportunity. And so I'm going to, I'm going to go there. I'm going to try and, and, um, Go and serve the Lord in, in, in a little bit different field for, sure. for a while. So. Well, hey, thank you for sharing that big news. I know it's big news, <laughs> if anything, for you and your family. <laughs> it's huge news. <laughs> uh, but I know we'll, we'll miss you here um, as well. I know uh, the church, many are going to miss you as well. And uh, we will be praying for your new endeavor, new adventure with uh, such a phenomenal and great organization as World Vision. So blessings to you, your family, and thank you again for sharing your story. Thank you, man. Well, I hope that you've been blessed by this conversation and that it's brought you hope, that it's inspired you and empowered you as well. Uh, Please make sure to check out the show notes with the resources that are there. Please, again, I, I ask that you share this episode with anyone that you feel would really benefit. If you have any questions, thoughts, about this episode or any other one, please feel free to contact me. Again, you can reach me at by email at uh, javier.diaz at floridaconference.com or on Twitter uh, at javid21, that's J-A-V-I-D 21. Blessings to you all. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this Restore podcast. We hope you've been blessed. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss any of our inspiring episodes.